The Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track. Everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. Moving forward with the Decker Team. Moving forward together with the Decker Team. Winter's coming. So what should I do to my house? That's a famous, no, it's not famous. It's a infamous, it's an infamous question that people ask. Because, you know, as realtors, we, we uh, understand a fair bit about the structure of the home. We even take courses on it. Yes, we do. In our real estate <laughs> courses. So this is the Inside Track on Real Estate. And I'm Ken Decker. I'm Leah Dixon. And together, we're part of the Decker team. And we're excited to welcome you to another episode where we share tips, tools, and information that helps you really be a better homeowner and have a better home to live in. So, Leah, do you get your car ready for winter? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> get on my winter tires and yeah. get the snow brush in the car. Do you get out like the tools and the jacks and you do it or do you take it somewhere? Uh, well, I have a husband who does that for ah! me. <laughs> hey. I have done it though. I do uh, know how to do it. Okay, so you get <laughs> hubby to take it. Yes. Yeah, Yetta does yeah. that too. So getting your car ready for winter is similar to getting your house ready to winter, except you don't put snow tires on it unless it's a trailer. That's true. <laughs> so there's, there's three keys to preparing your house outside. So um, that's what I wanted to do was kind of divide this show up into three segments and we'll talk about the outside first. So one of the key areas is this thing that's above us, the roof. Right. Right, the roof, which is made up of several things, the trusses, the sheeting, the, the shingles or steel or whatever. And sometimes things can go wrong with the roof. Especially when there's a lot of snow. Yes, we've had some heavy-duty snow loads, and snow loads cause... Ice damming. Ice damming, yes. <laughs> So I thought I would explain ice damming a little bit for our listeners, because you think of, well, uh, why if it's ice damming, do I really care about it? And some people think it's snow load, but it's not snow load. So what happens is you have snow on your roof, and when it gets really thick, it's a great insulator. And then you have insulation in your attic, and the heat from inside your house, where you're keeping it nice and toasty and warm, filters its way through that insulation. Now, if you've got good venting, that extra little bit of heat dissipates and your attic space should be the same temperature as the outside. But the snow adds an extra layer of insulation, so there isn't that heat transfer. And sometimes, especially if you have those little, little vents on the roof, as opposed to what they call the max vents, the tall ones, the snow can cover that and prevent the heat from escaping out of your attic. Or maybe your insulation isn't superior enough, so you're getting too much heat transfer into the attic space. Or you've put boosted up your insulation, and sometimes people block the suffet vents along the eaves. That allows the cool air to come in there and out the upper vents. And that's what keeps your attic cool in the cooler in the summer, as well as the right temperature in the winter. So if it gets too much heat buildup, that snow starts to melt where it's warm. 
and it runs down your shingles because your shingles are designed to keep the water as it runs down. Well, once it gets to the eave, which is the unheated portion outside of your house, it gets cold and it freezes. And that's called ice damming because that ice builds up over time, build, 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 build. Now the water comes and it hits the ice and it can't keep running. And shingles aren't designed to keep water on the roof. They're designed to keep it off the roof and slide down. So it actually works its way, pools, and it works its way up underneath the shingle and then into your house. Right. And that's when the damage starts, right? Not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So there's several ways we can, we can uh, alleviate that, increase the insulation, increase the ventilation. Um, if it's a common problem, we can put heating strips on the edge so that it melts that ice when it accumulates. Uh, the other thing we can do is we can remove the shingles. If the roof's good, we can remove just the bottom section and put in what's called ice shield. It's a rubber membrane, goes underneath the shingles, and then as the water backs up, it can get under the shingle, but it can't get through the rubber membrane. Right. So that's a great way to do it. Now, outside your house, you have, this is kind of inside-outside, but outside your house, you have hose bibs. Right. Yes, yes, we have the hose attached yeah. to. And so it's important that we clean up our outside of our house as winter's coming. And we take the hoses and put them in the garage, disconnect them from the hose bib or the faucet, because that will hold water in it. And those, those faucets are designed that the shutoff valve is actually inside the house. They have a long shutoff valve. So when you disconnect them, the water runs out and the water that's still in the pipe is supposed to be inside the house, right? right? But if you leave a hose attached to it, the water can't drain and now you got water in the whole pipe and it'll split. Happened in my garage actually. Oh, I had no. to change both of them because the previous homeowner left the hoses attached in the garage and the garage got sub-zero, froze, cracked those pipes and they can leak inside the wall because it's usually where they break right. is right inside the wall. And that's a nasty repair. So simple thing. Now the other thing, most of them will have a shutoff valve inside the house. So you can, sh you can shut off the valve inside the house, go outside, open the valve, let the little bit of water out, and then shut it off again. Right. Water yeah. can do a lot of damage, can it? Yes. As a matter of fact, good point. Insurance companies now say that water damage has more claims than fire. Wow. And also, yeah. when you have a fire, it's usually water damage because the fire department, exactly. fire department comes and sprays <laughs> water all over everything. So what other things do you have to consider in the wintertime? It's a great Well, uh, windows and doors. Right. Right. They, you're going to look on the outside and see the caulking. The caulking is that rubber kind of, uh, could be a silicone-based, mm -hmm. and it's stretchy and it moves as the house moves, as the house expands and shrinks with the heat of the summer and the winter it can get old and less elastic and it will crack or it will pull off from one of the surfaces and it leaves a crack that if you get a driving rain that can cause the moisture to get in behind your your wall and then eventually rot around your windows or your door right. which i've had that pleasure of that happening before as well i just want to throw something in here yeah if you're not really good at caulking, yeah. hire somebody to do it who is, <laughs> I have seen some pretty 
horrific caulking jobs around yes. doors and windows. Uh, the worst is bathtubs, actually. Oh, yes. <laughs> when the caulking's like two inches wide. Yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I've said that you should have to have a license to be able to buy caulking. Yeah. <laughs> so they teach you how to use a caulking gun. Because most people use it the wrong direction, actually. I use it backwards. I'm fairly good at it backwards. But you're well, you're left-handed too, aren't no, you? No, no. When I say backwards, is you're supposed to push it, not pull it. Okay. And I pull it, but as long as you get the right amount, and then the secret is wetting your finger. Yes. But it tastes yep. horrible when you <laughs> wet it on your tongue. Yeah. So watching that to make sure that your exterior is protected from moisture coming in, and one little extra, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say is sometimes when people are looking at their property and they're looking for places where moisture may come in, I've seen a lot of times on brickwork at the bottom row, about every third or fourth brick may have no mortar between it. And it's called a weep hole. It's designed to let moisture that got driven behind the brick to escape. And I've seen people fill those with either mortar or caulking, and then that traps moisture behind the wall. So you don't want to fill those. Those are the one thing. I did purchase a house where the previous owner had filled them all and I had to go around and pull all the caulking out. Scrape it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So remember, an ounce of pre prevention, I was going to say protection, but it is kind of protection. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of repair. <laughs> so winter's coming. What should I do on the inside of my house? Well, that's a great question. And we've created multiple, like 300, over 367 shows actually on YouTube channel, not all about what to do on the inside of your house, but on tools, tips, and techniques, what to do around your home, how to sell it, how to get more value for it, all the different things about real estate. So if you want to check out our Decker Team YouTube channel, that's a great place to go. So some things, Leah, on the inside, of your house are also an outside job. Does that make also. sense? Well, let's let's look at things that will actually save us energy. Okay. Okay. So, first thing I think of for winter is is my furnace serviceable? Is it good? Is it going to make another winter long, right? Cuz the last thing you want is at minus 20, minus 30, minus 40 for your furnace to stop working. The best time to check it is before you need it. Yes. And so you can get a service contract or you can have it serviced. Um, typically, I don't know, it's, it's, it's between uh, $150 and $200 to have your furnace serviced. They're going to check things like your safety functions, and um, which are carbon monoxide detector sensors in them. Uh, sensors that won't allow the flame to come on if the exhaust isn't is blocked or isn't blowing air, things of that nature. And something that people, when I said it was an inside-outside job, as many times people don't realize your air conditioner is hooked up year-round. And if you want to save a little bit of electricity, because it's got a little heating coil inside the compressor section, you can actually turn your breaker off for your air conditioner. Okay. Put a piece of plywood over the fan because it's not that it can't take snow or wetness. It's that 
if you get too much weight on it, it could bend the fan fins and throw your fan out of balance, which would make it noisier and also vibrate and wear the motor faster. So some people put a piece of plywood over and a couple of bricks or something on top so it doesn't blow away. And now you've protected your air conditioner. The thing to remember in the spring is when you turn that breaker back on, do not start your air conditioner for a day because you want, it has to, uh, that breaker's got to warm up your, your oil. I've seen some people cover their air conditioners with a tarp or a, a cover specifically mm -hmm. for air conditioners. Is that a good idea? That's a great question. I've heard two opposing camps on that. One is it's great. It protects it from the snow and leaves and junk getting in it. Um, others have said it could trap moisture in there and cause premature uh, rotting of the the uh, copper coils right. and the copper uh, fins, I guess they're called, the things that dissipate the heat. So I've heard two different camps. The fact that the manufacturers actually sell them probably says they're okay. But I don't know. More research right. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned carbon monoxide when you were talking about the furnace. Mm -hmm. I would think that this is a very good time for you to go through and make sure all of your carbon monoxide detectors are working properly. Yes. Uh, smoke alarms as well. Yes. One of the things I do is uh, I do it annually, usually New Year's Day. I make sure I have batteries and I go around and I change all my batteries and my smoke detectors. My smoke detectors are also carbon monoxide detectors. So I don't have to have the ones that plug in the wall. But if you've got a regular smoke detector, and as a matter of fact, if it's turning that kind of yellow color, it's not white anymore, probably time to change it. Right. Smoke detectors should be changed about every 10 years. Okay. And most people don't. Um, so carbon monoxide detectors are important. They plug in, the, they can plug in in the wall. You can get them relatively inexpensively and they could save your life. As a matter of fact, um, not only should you do your furnace, have your furnace inspected, it's important that you inspect your fireplace. We moved into this house about five years ago. We've had our fireplace done a few times when the furnace is being done. But the first time, there was actually a part that was defective in it, and it was causing the glass to be cloudy from the, the fumes or the flames because right. it wasn't burning properly. And they said that could be a danger. And um, a friend of mine in, uh, in Vancouver actually almost died from carbon monoxide because her fireplace was leaky. And so it's a good idea to have that fireplace check. And then if you want to save some, some people turn off the uh, pilot light on the fireplace during the summer. So fall when you're getting things ready, that's the time to turn that back on so that when you want that romantic flick on the fire, you're not going, oh, how do I turn this on again? It, it breaks the mood, Leah. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, what about that? Not everybody has one of these. It's that pit in the basement. The sump pump. Yeah. Yes. It tends to get a little bit wet in the fall, the spring in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, but since we're talking about the fall, that's a great time to go and check your sump pump and make sure everything's functioning properly. The, wet, the water levels aren't too high. We have a battery backup for our sump pump. Nice. Um, when you live in the country, sometimes your power goes out when you don't expect it to. Mm -hmm. And the biggest concern for us anyways in a power outage is the sump pump. You want to make sure that it's still 
getting the water away from your house and yeah. not flooding your basement. <laughs> so yes, it's it's very important to check that and make sure everything's functioning properly. Yeah, I had a friend that their basement flooded three times. Oh no. It was horrible. And the first time it was, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was a sump pump failure. And uh, second time was a, um, they put in the backup and the backup set up so that it's slightly higher than your normal electric one. So if the electric one doesn't run or can't keep up, then the battery operated one kicks in. Right. Well, this particular season, there was so much moisture that the, the two pumps were running and the battery died on the battery backup and then it flooded, right? Right. So he figured, okay, I got this. So we did his basement, put in two sump pumps, set them at different levels and a battery backup. So he had three in there and you know what? It flooded again. You know what happened? What happened? He didn't bring a separate line for the second pump, second electrical line. Okay. So the water came up, the first one couldn't handle it, the second one kicked in. Because there were two pumps running on the one circuit, it blew the circuit breaker. Oh, no. <laughs> Both those pumps stopped and the battery operated couldn't couldn't handle it and the basement flooded again. So sometimes we gotta really use expertise in how we set that up. And and that's something uh, rare country properties. It's rare that you have that much moisture that right. you uh, you got to be running several pumps. But it can happen, and when it does, yeah. it's not fun. Yeah, exactly. And you can hook them up to your house alarm system too if you have one. That's a good idea. Yes, and then it'll alert you if the water level is getting too mm -hmm. high. Yeah, and the alarm systems now are so sophisticated; they phone you on your phone and right. they tell you what's going on. So that's really important. And then lastly. Um, seals on windows and doors and like the, the felt strip that sometimes wear off and sometimes you see it on a door it's kind of hanging and it's there <laughs> that's the time to take your door and replace those seals is when it's a little warmer than exactly yes yeah so heating loss in the winter can be a huge problem my my charge to you is right now Call and ask for service on your furnace. And if you've already done it, hats off to you. <laughs> Are there things that we can do to make our hibernation <laughs> better? Because <laughs> winter's coming, Leah. Winter's yes, coming. Yes, it is. And we're Yuck. in Ottawa. I know. <laughs> so we at the Decker team have enjoyed for the last 30 years, helping our clients and our listeners to have better experience, to have better relationships, to thrive in their spiritual lives, in their, in their financial lives, and their relational lives. 30 years of really helping people. And today is no exception, because today we're going to talk about the little things that you can do, lots of little things that can make your Winter, a dream instead of a nightmare. Yes, they're little things that can have a big impact. Yeah. So winter can be depressing. It can be. Yes, it can. It's, it 
dark. The days are shorter. Actually, the days are still 24 hours. Well, they are, but they seem shorter. <laughs> the the, the, the daylight. light, <laughs> the daylight <laughs> is less than it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And that can, you know, fortunately, we still get a few hours of daylight. And I actually find late, late fall can be worse for brightness. Because there isn't that snow, like if you if you get a snow cover, right, it reflects the moon, the stars, and you get a little bit of brightness from the snow. I find the snow helps. Yes, yes, it can. Yeah. A lot of people have difficulties with the less of the natural sunlight during the day, and they do have special lights out there, sad mm -hmm. lights that are really good for people who are battling. Um, so why would you want to use a light that says "sad" when you're feeling sad? <laughs> <laughs> well, because it mimics natural light and your body needs that natural light. We don't get enough of it often. So especially in the wintertime when the, I almost said when the days are shorter, but <laughs> when the light that we are exposed to is shorter. Yeah. So getting that that light from another source mm -hmm. often will help. I actually have one of those lights. And do you use it? Every day. Oh, good. Imagine that. You know how I know I use it every day? How? It's my alarm light. Oh, perfect. So I don't wake up to an alarm buzzer. I wake up to an alarm light, which is a much more natural way of waking up because your body, your eyes are designed that your body senses the increase in light and it says it's time to wake up. And so my light comes on. It takes usually anywhere from five to ten minutes for my body to wake up naturally and it's a much nicer it's not a startling wake up exactly yeah that sounds like a, a wonderful thing it to have is and with less light we tend to get less vitamin d mm. vitamin d is something that's very important for all of us so i would encourage everybody to hopefully they're they're taking supplements all year long but yeah. especially in the winter there's more colds and flus that go around so you want to keep your immune system boosted so mm -hmm. taking vitamin i like b d and c oh absolutely and almost b the rest of the alphabet stress. yes <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah b d a what's a there's an a vitamin isn't there it? is an a vitamin and there's an yeah. e vitamin careful with e you can overdose an e very easily yeah. and and uh, apparently is d topically. as well E is topically? E is good to use topically. Yeah, yeah just rub like it on your skin. And, and dry skin and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, dry skin. Do you get dry skin in the wintertime? Fortunately, no. I know a lot of people that do, that, yeah. that get really, well, dehydrated and dried out. Drinking lots of water can help that. Mm. Yeah, I just got a new jug, a water jug. Yes, with, I saw your jug. It's it. awesome. And so it, it's my daily intake of water. So I fill it up in the morning and I know that. If I finished it by evening, I've taken in my required water intake. Yes, winter is dry. People don't realize it because it's cold. Um, we're actually losing moisture from our skin, not because we're sweating, but because the air is so dry, relative humidity for, compared to the temperature. Yeah. So you get your car ready, yes, right? We right. said that earlier. You get tires put on, winter tires. Now, some people will actually have their car certified for winter, which basically means we're going to check our brakes because you want your brakes to function properly, especially on ice, um, especially if you have ABS brakes where they release on ice. Uh, we're going to check the battery, make sure the battery is going to work because batteries get lower 
in the winter when they're cold, right? They have less cranking power, kind of like me in the wintertime. Well, Yetta would say I have more cranking power because I'm crankier in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see Yetta saying that. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? Is put your snowbrush in your car before it snows. Because usually I take them out in the summer because I don't want them in my car. I hide them away in the garage or the shed. And then I can't find them when it's time when, yeah. the, when it snows. The other trick, we get ice storms here. Yes, Lots we do. Lots of them. Keep a snow brush in your garage or in your in your house so that if your snow brush is frozen in the car, <laughs> you have something to get it out with. I've, I've had that happen. Auto start is a saver. Um, so let's let's see what else could we do to really increase our our uh, excitement for winter <laughs> or toleration of winter, depending on who you are. Well, one of the other things that we have to do when you're, you're speaking about cars, just along that line, there's no point in getting your car ready if you can't get it out of the driveway. So it's mm -hmm. important to either arrange to have someone remove the snow from your driveway, right. or if you have a snowblower, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a young man in my house who <laughs> does the snow blowing for us. Nice. So yes, make sure your snowblower is tuned up and ready to go so that you can get your winterized car out of the driveway mm. to get you where you need to go. And sometimes in the city, there's just no place to put your snow. The houses are so close. Like, right. I, I, I feel for them because they're, they're piling the snow. It's up like 10 feet. They're trying to get snow up on top of the bank. And make sure you're physically healthy enough to do that job. Because right. every year we hear about people that will take a a heart attack or something, stroke, because they're exerting themselves lifting heavy, heavy, wet snow. Because they don't want to spend the money to have somebody else do it for them. Yes. But you can't put a price on your health. No, you can't. So, yes, check that. Check your pride at the door. And if your health isn't at the point where you should be shoveling snow, some youth, some young person is dying to make a few dollars <laughs> and keep your snow shovel handy uh -huh. you know there are times where i've been in a hurry and oh no i look outside there's a bunch of snow and i need to get down the stairs out to my car well where's the snow shovel i haven't brought it out yet so then you have to go in search of that but if you mm -hmm. prepare ahead of time before it actually snows have your snow shovel ready to mm -hmm. go yes and i've heard that if you get those doldrums, those, those winter blahs, one of the best things you can do is get outside. Get yes. bundled up, get outside, build a snowman, get you, bring out your inner kid. If it's that wet packing snow, build a snowman. Yes. Build a snow fort. People often complain about living in Ottawa and all the snow that we have. And I understand we have long winters. But there are so many fun things to do around here. We live in a terrific city with a lot of different things to do. Yeah, we have that ice thing downtown. Yes. That happens. And they actually moved it because <laughs> it kept getting thaw season when it was ice ice season. And beaver tails. You can't forget beaver tails. Well, you can there's, go skating. There's and get nothing a beaver like tail. skating on the canal and getting a beaver tail mm. and hot chocolate. All right. And if you absolutely can afford it, I recommend get out of Dodge, yeah. get out of Ottawa, get a break. I like to do it somewhere in the middle. Go for a week, get on a beach, get my vitamin D through natural sunshine, 
and really just get that break of the cold. That helps me so much. Now I heard once that one snowflake is beautiful and light. And if you get too many, it's enough to stop traffic. <laughs> so, so here we go. Let's watch out for a great winter. And we're excited to be your partners as we move forward together. Because together, we got this. Moving forward with the Decker team. Moving forward together with the Decker team.